With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Mark Daly, I'm your host. It is Friday morning. It is Friday, September 4th, 2020, if you can believe that. We have now got eight months of this miserable, wretched year behind us. And isn't it really weird? I mean, uh, this this year has gone either alternatively really, really slow or really, really quickly at uh, different times. I, I can't believe that it's uh, already the end of summer here. I mean, it's, it's Labor Day long weekend here in Canada and the USA. And that is basically the unofficial end to the summer season. I mean, summer obviously does not end uh, officially until the, the, the first day of autumn in a couple of weeks from now. But this is typically the time when people go back to work, kids go back to school. And uh, well... It's just, it's come way too quickly this year. I must admit that all the things uh, notwithstanding that have been happening out there in the world, I've actually quite enjoyed the summer, even though it took quite a while to get uh, started here on the wet coast of Canada. And uh, I, I said that intentionally because it was raining for quite a bit uh, into June, or sorry, into July. And uh, the, the nice sunny warm weather that we typically enjoy here on the uh, on the West Coast, the Southwest uh, corner of Canada, is, uh, it's usually pretty good in uh, July and August. But it seems like summer's been a little bit uh, shorter than usual. But on the flip side, uh, there is good news. And the good news is, and uh, I never get uh, tired of saying this, uh, because as I sit here now, there are only less than three hours until FP1 at Monza for the Italian Grand Prix. So it's uh, good to know. Exciting that we have a Grand Prix coming up this weekend. And if you're Ferrari, maybe a little bit less so. But we're going to get into that and a lot, lot more. Well, actually, we're going to get into Ferrari right off of the top here because there's there's a lot to talk about. And then the other shocking news that came out on Thursday was that the Williams family out of Formula One after 40-something-odd years in the sport as a constructor. That was a, another mind-blower. Of course, uh, the team was sold uh, just uh, about a week ago. Anyways, so we'll, we'll come to that eventually, but uh, this one caught my eye right off the news, and that's uh, Ferrari team principal Mattia Bonato said that Ferrari is not in the middle of a crisis, but they are in the middle of a storm. So I don't know. <laughs> take that for what it uh, you know what it's worth. You know, take that at uh, at at face value. I don't know if uh, you know storms can be a bit of a crisis too, especially if they're bad enough. Anyways, uh, Mattia was uh, was on Sky Sports uh, Italia the, this week, and uh, he said that uh, he felt that using the word crisis for what uh, the Scuderia is going through at the moment is uh, the the wrong choice of word. Uh, he said that uh, that he feels that the team obviously had a very very poor results in Belgium. Well, yeah you think i mean uh, neither of the two scarlet cars made it into the top 10 and uh you know worse than that i mean they were just not competitive i mean even gunther steiner who is a uh, team principal Haas, which is a ferrari customer team and uh he said he took no joy from battling the ferraris and i mean whoever thought that we would be here that uh, we, we would see the day that that Haas would be competitively racing ferrari well, maybe at the wrong end of the grid. I mean, I guess uh, we'd rather see them fighting Ferrari at the top end of the grid. But I mean, that's how far that they've uh, that they've fallen. But the thing is, I mean, they seem to be getting worse as the season is is going on here. And uh, you know, I I, I guess that uh, that, that Bonato was free to say it's a storm rather than a crisis. But uh, I, I don't know how you can characterize it or kind of mitigate that or try and play it down because when you're a team, the stature of uh, Ferrari, all the history. All the resources that you have at uh, at your disposal, plus two pretty good drivers in uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, and you're down there fighting.
dragging it out for 13th and 14th, I think is just uh, absolutely disgraceful, no matter what happened. But I, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment, but I think it really goes to, to, to highlight, uh, the, the, the fact that this secret deal that they had with their, their, their power unit, whatever they found, they being the FIA, I, I think it obviously reeks now. I mean, it, it reeked all along, but uh, I think obviously that uh, d- despite whatever happened, uh, that it was unmasked, that that was uh, something that uh, that they should have been doing. And uh, now that uh, wh- whatever it was that they were doing that wasn't allowed has been switched off or replaced or redesigned, whatever the case may be, has obviously led to a car that uh, or a power unit that has much less under the hood than it did uh, did last year and the year before. And last year the car was nothing special. I mean, they got it wrong right to you know right off the bat with the the aero package on the car. And, uh, well, the, the, the engine, I mean, they, they really suffered a decline uh, towards the end of the year. I mean, they, they had that, I mean, Charles had that uh, amazing race in Monza when he won, but it was just astounding how, especially at, at, in a power circuit like uh, Monza, how he was able to hold off the Mercedes of Valtteri Bottas and, and, and Lewis Hamilton for as long as he did, because just on those, the, the very long, straight, fast portions of the track, he was just able to pull away from them and keep them at, uh, at arm's length. And then they really Faded towards the end of the year once uh, things, um, you know, I guess were discovered or uncovered, even though that they've maintained this uh, th- this entire time that they haven't done anything, uh, you know, they, they didn't do anything illegal. But still, I mean, as long as that uh, agreement never sees the light of day, we can only guess and speculate and only those that are truly in the know uh, actually know what the truth is, but it certainly is falling apart uh, for, for them. Anyways, uh, Bonato had to say on, on Sky, uh, Italia, quote, certainly this is a very bad result within a difficult season that we are experiencing, but we knew it was coming. We saw it in winter testing, and then came the car, the update freeze, and the impossibility to develop the car, end quote. So, yeah. But the thing is that uh, it is interesting, too, that uh, when you look at it and the the amount and the type of upgrades that they've brought to the car and to the team uh, so far this year have had little, if no effect. And, of course, as we see it over the, the, the duration of a Formula One season, that the same car at the end of the year is faster than that very same car than at the beginning of the year because of the the continued improvements and developments and all the things that they do over the course of a of a Formula One season. It doesn't matter if you're, say, Ferrari at the top and, uh, say, a team like, uh, I don't know, Haas, uh, Alfa Romeo, somewhere, somewhere towards the bottom, these cars just naturally evolve uh, over the course of the season. But, I mean, Ferrari, they're devolving, and, and, and that is the incredible thing. And uh, anyways, uh, Bonato went on to say and address the Tifosi, the Ferrari fans. He said, quote, we understand the fans. We are very sorry. We are the first to admit, and we are sorry for them too. What is happening, in fact, is that we have a car that has lost power. There we go. There's uh, That's an interesting one, an inter- interesting admission. And he goes on to say, quote, just as all the engine manufacturers have lost it, we more than the others, end quote. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, read between the lines there. I mean, he, he says that and emphasizes it right at the end there that uh, they've lost more power than others. Uh, so take that, uh, as you will. Anyways, uh, Charles Leclerc, well, actually, before I uh, talk about uh, Charles, uh, Ferrari, and a follow-up to that, uh, Matteo Bonato has, uh, you know, went on to talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the troubles that, uh, that they're, they're, they're having. And, uh, he's actually, uh, said that, uh, it may take many years before they get back into a, a winning cycle. He went on to say, quote, there are no silver bullets in F1. Patience and stability is, uh, required. Well, fair enough. Uh, that, that is true. But, uh, certainly how long are they going to have to wait? And how long will the, you know, the, the people at the top wait uh, before they decide to pull the trigger and, and and make changes at uh, at Ferrari. Of course, I mean, if they are going down the wrong path and they need to right some wrongs in order to uh, to, to get back and design and build a car that is going to be more competitive, of course that uh, takes time. Of course, that is uh, it is not going to happen overnight. And of course, we're we're living and existing in this COVID landscape, this sort of weird in between world where we're in the in the middle of a pandemic right now. 
And you look at Formula One where the regs are frozen this year, next year, and there'll be limited to, to development and the token system that they have. And then you have the new regs that have been delayed a year that won't be coming until 2022. So it, it's a strange season. I mean, we're basically going to have an evolution on the same car for the, the you know three complete seasons. If you go back to last year, this year, and then then the next year, you got the cost cap uh, coming in. So uh, certainly uh, they're, they're not going to be able to, well, I'm, I'm not going to say they're not going to be able to work their way out of this one. It just uh, considering everything that's stacked against them, this is the worst possible time to have, uh, you know, really found, you know, become mired in the situation that uh, Ferrari have found themselves in now, because it could be a very long and painful process to, to get out of it. And and who knows, maybe there, there's going to be more weekends like this that, that we're going to see. I mean, forget about winning races and fighting for podiums. Uh, maybe this is the new normal to use uh, an overused phrase from 2020 uh, that the new normal for Ferrari is maybe they're going to be fighting for, for for the dregs for fighting out the scraps at the bottom of the points uh, pain uh, p- p- positions as as mind-boggling and as crazy as that uh, sounds to say out loud anyways uh, Charles Leclerc the uh, you know the the next big thing at uh, at Ferrari and rightly so I mean uh, Charles has really done a lot to, to to prove himself in in Formula One over the the, the previous two and a bit years. I mean, uh, last year, first year Ferrari, an outstanding job, winning a couple of races, just a very impressive season. And then, uh, of course, that that was on the back of a very very impressive uh, season before that with uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo. Anyways, uh, Charles said he is ready to wait for Ferrari F1 progress, uh, and he said that uh, he's ready to be patient through what he, what he admits might be years of. Uh, uh, what uh, Matteo Bonato's warned uh, will be this uh, redevelopment and, and re- rebuilding uh, process uh, before they, they get back in a position to win races in Formula One. So I, I guess it is uh, good that uh, that Charles has a contract now until the end of 2024, because the way that things are going, you know, he might have to be there for the long term uh, but before he gets a, a car, a red car at any rate, uh, that is going to offer him the opportunity to, to win a, a Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why Sebastian Vettel seems so chill about the the, the whole thing. I mean, he, he's already won four world championships. Uh, and I think that despite the troubles, I mean, and, and, and I've talked about it, and I've been uber critical about Sebastian Vettel and some of the things, some of the uh, situations he's gotten himself into over the past uh, couple of years. But I mean... That doesn't, well, I mean, it does take away, I think it tarnishes his legacy and what he's done in, in, in Formula One to a certain extent. But I mean, you know, I mean, it still doesn't take away that this guy has won dozens of Formula One races. He's been on the podium countless times. He's won four world championships. So obviously he hasn't won one with Ferrari. I mean, you know, he, I, I guess he's done everything that he needs to do. And I think he's uh, he's finding himself in the position, or I'm just speculating, of course, that uh, that, that perhaps if it doesn't wor- work out with a, you know, a desirable drive for, for next year and he decides to take a year out or m- maybe even a desire, or sorry, retire, uh, desire to retire, I guess <laughs> what I was trying to say. But even if he decides to walk away from the sport, uh, I think that uh, it, just in general, I think that he's given quite a lot to, to, to Ferrari. I mean, if you go back even to 2018, I mean, he was legitimately in that world championship two-thirds of the way through the season. It wasn't really until this point in in, in 2018 when things really started to go sour because, I mean, he, uh, I, I mean, it slowly went from there. I mean, it went pretty much even into the summer break on points uh, with, with Lewis Hamilton. They'd been fighting it out uh, all season long, but they came together on the first lap of Monza and then that really kind of started that uh, that, that slow downhill slide that we saw with uh, Sebastian Vettel just uh, too often getting in the wrong place at the wrong time and coming out worse for wear in some of these uh, incidents that he found himself in uh, with, with other drivers. So, you know, whereas Charles, you know, he's he's young. I mean, he's only in his early 20s. He's only got a couple of years in Formula One under his belt. I mean, he is in that stage in his life and in his career in Formula One that he has the luxury of time at his side and that if it's going to take a couple of years before Ferrari can deliver and build a competitive car for the guy, then yeah, maybe he's got to ride it out for a year or two or hopefully not more than three that he'll be back in a position to win with Ferrari. But Sebastian Vettel now in his early to mid-30s, completely different. I mean, he's, like I say, he's accomplished a lot in Formula One. He's done uh, quite a bit uh, for, for, you know, with uh, Ferrari as well. I mean, the winning a world championship uh, there. 
has obviously uh, eluded him, and it's uh, it's not going to happen this year, of course. I mean, he's uh, basically in uh, Ferrari garbage time and uh, just uh, running out the remaining races of the season before he goes on to uh, to, to what's next. So I, I think that uh, that you know he, he could maybe just walk away and into whatever he decides to do next uh, with uh, with with a fairly clear conscience. But uh, Charles does have that luxury. He can he can sit back there and and, and wait until it is uh, you know a, a much better situation but you know even for a guy like uh, Charles Leclerc may, maybe even at some point for him that uh, that he'll uh, you know lose patience and decide that's not, not something he he wants uh, you know wants to do i mean like i say i mean he has a, a fairly lengthy contract uh, for you know several more years till the end of uh, 2024 and uh, when he was asked uh, by in an interview by uh, motorsport.com in one of the uh, the, the pre-event uh, uh, conferences at uh, at Monza um, Charles uh, had to say um, yeah surely it'll take some patience and yes I'm ready to wait but it is also my job to try and make this whole process as short as possible for us to come back to where we deserve to be so it's not going to be easy it will take time but I'm ready for this and my job is to give my best anyways and every situation we are in end quote so you know, fair enough. I mean, I, th- I think that's a, a pretty mature and a, a, a pretty good uh, comment uh, that uh, that Charles is going to make. I mean, he, he's not going to. Ru- I mean, he, he's obviously pretty. Uh, you know. I'd say conscious of the situation that he's found himself in, and he's not going to to rock the boat uh, too much uh, at this stage in his career by saying something very, very controversial. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. We're talking about uh, Ferrari. We're talking about all the problems that they've had uh, so far this season. And well, I mean, of course, these problems uh, date back uh, over a year now. Uh, they, they haven't truly been competitive uh, since, uh, you know, the, the first half, uh, you know, first two thirds of, of, of 2018. And it looks like it's going to get a lot worse or stay where it is uh, for, for some time yet uh, before it gets uh, better. But, but Despite that, Carlos Sainz, who is uh, due to leave uh, McLaren at the end of uh, this season and become uh, Charles uh, Leclerc's teammate at uh, Ferrari, replacing uh, Sebastian Vettel, says he still has 100% confidence uh, in Ferrari despite all the problems that uh, they have uh, had over the uh, recently. And, uh, well, I mean, again, <laughs> what else is uh, Carlos uh, going to say? Anyways, uh, the Spaniard had to say, quote, I am very comfortable with the decision I've uh, taken. I have 100% confidence in the Ferrari people and what they can do for the future let's just remember that last year they were capable of winning a seven pole position so it's a team and i think uh, knows how to produce very good cars and regarding if i am nervous what it makes me uh, nervous is to lose 30 points due to no fault of my own that's what really concerns me for ma- uh, for now it uh, really makes me uh, go to bed and think wh- where the hell have i lost this amount of points and how is this happening to me i'm fully confident ready to go uh, to ferrari next season i cannot be more excited end quote yeah well uh, again I mean, uh, Carlos is also a, a fairly young guy. Uh, you know, he, he has a, a little bit of time on the, the, their side, but still, at uh, at some point, uh, and, and, and we've all seen it before. Like uh, we, we all have seen this in sports before, where things go wrong for a, a team, a player, a driver, wh- whatever it, it might be, over an extended uh, period of time. And and everybody has their breaking point. Everybody has their limit. Everybody gets to that point uh, that that uh, whether they you know, they're they're you know cognizant of it or or not well they'll just suddenly 
you know, they'll, they'll find themselves in that position to say what, you know what, I, I've had it. I, I'm done. And certainly I hope it doesn't come to that uh, for, for a guy like uh, Charles Leclerc or, or, or Carlos uh, Sainz. But uh, certainly, it, you know, despite what they're saying publicly and saying in the media, deep down and, 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 and maybe even privately, they, they have to have some concerns. They have to have some, uh, some, some, some issue with what's, uh, what, what's going on because you just don't expect to see a team as big and as experienced and as good as Ferrari that have such a outstanding track record of building and racing phenomenal race cars to be stuck in the position that that they are so we'll have to you know, watch those uh, you know a couple of guys very very uh, you know carefully over the the, the coming months and uh, hopefully not years and uh, as this uh, you know situation uh, continues to go and uh, and see what happens uh, with uh, both uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, and Carlos Sainz uh, and and see in the future whether you know that that uh, that tone that tune that uh, that they're you know throwing out there to to the media and to the fans right now is that going to stay the same or when do they get to the point where they really do reach their own personal breaking point and and say you know what enough is enough it's uh, it's time to speak up because you know here we are i'm i'm wasting uh, good years out of my career uh, going nowhere with a team that uh, should be fighting for uh, uh, you know higher positions than 13th or 14th uh, place anyways uh, mclaren they haven't given up or counted ferrari out and uh, they said uh, they're actually relying on ferrari's uh, ability to strike back Kind of sounds like a Star Wars movie or something. Uh, Ferrari Strikes Back. Anyways, I watched Star Wars last week, and so there you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Andreas Seidel, team principal at uh, McLaren, had to say, say quote, uh, I expect to be close again to the racing points and the Renaults. Everything we can see here at the moment and take away from here, and also reading the comments from Ferrari, they may struggle as well. Uh, he's referring to Monza. Anyways, he goes on to say, quote, so hopefully once again is an opportunity to score more points uh, than we did here. That gives us another good opportunity to score points to compare to some of the, the competitors that will be stronger again at other tracks. Some important, uh, something important we never do is uh, cannot underestimate the ability of Ferrari to strike back during the course of a season because of their experience, the manpower and the infrastructure. I am sure it is only a matter of time before they strike back again as well. That is why it hurts even more that we didn't collect even more points at spa end quote so yeah i mean of course uh, i think seidel has a, a good um, you know a, a good take on that i mean if there's any team that should be able to figure it out uh, it, it should be ferrari i mean they have the experience they have the knowledge they have the you know being one of the biggest teams in formula one they, they've got to be that one of those uh, teams uh, like uh, mercedes that uh, that everybody wants to go and work for first because just of the stature of those teams but, you know, I mean, we're just talking about Mercedes, though, I mean, we've seen over the past couple of years that whenever this team seems to hit a wall, that uh, that they they seem to go away whenever they've had an extraordinarily bad race. And let's face it, there have not been too many of those, at least down to, uh, you know, car problems. I mean, there were pr- plenty of those uh, in the Hamilton and Rosberg uh, partnership when there was, uh, you know, too many incidents of the, the, the two of them crashing into each other, or maybe more to the point, Rosberg crashing into Hamilton or Hamilton uh, crashing into Rosberg, uh, depending on your your take. Um, yeah, so, you know, you, you can see especially how Mercedes uh, deals with that. I mean, uh, remember what, a couple of years ago when they had an exceptionally bad uh, time at uh, at Monaco where they were just a, a non-factor. And I mean, you just, you don't see too many situations, too many races like that uh, with uh, with Mercedes and Formula One nowadays. Anyways, they, they went away from that race, had a couple of races, a couple of we- weeks in between before we, uh, we came back uh, racing again uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. And uh, of course, not only had they uh, you know solved the problems that they had in Monaco a couple of weeks uh, earlier, they you know they came back and uh, they were their usual uh, dominant selves. I mean, the, the the point that Andreas Seidel is making is that that he feels that uh, that Ferrari should be able to to do the same, just uh, given all the resources and uh, you know the the quality of people that they have working there. That if anybody can figure this thing out and figure it out quickly, it should be uh, Ferrari. You know, a- again, I think that this whole Ferrari thing is slightly different depending your taste. 
take and depending on who you are because i mean uh, Seidel obviously taking the uh, you know the, the the stance of a competitor whereas uh, you know it sounds a lot uh, gloomier when when you hear it from the likes of Mattia Bonato or Sebastian Vettel or uh, Charles Leclerc uh you know that you know just read between the lines uh, they, they, there's almost a bit of a defeatist attitude that uh, or, or resigned attitude that uh, you know the the car is bad the car is not going anywhere quickly literally and figuratively that uh, you know they they're just in this situation and it's going to take some time to to, to sort out anyhow um this is a, an interesting one this uh, this came up uh, again uh, you know this uh, this comes uh, from uh, this was comments made by uh, Red Bull uh, team principal uh, Christian Horner and I, I just uh, hinted at it uh, briefly off the top of the show and this goes back to the you know this you know secret engine dead deal that uh, Ferrari made with the FIA uh, you know after the end of last year regarding the the, the power unit anyways so uh, Horner had to say quote the whole thing has left quite a sour taste obviously you can draw your own conclusions from Ferrari's current performance there are races that we uh, should have won last year, arguably, if they had run with an engine that seems to, to be quite different to, to what performance they had last year. It's obviously very tough for them, uh, but I think their focus has obviously been in the wrong areas in previous years, which is why they obviously seem to be struggling a little with whatever what was in that agreement. End quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that uh, if you're a competitor to Ferrari, if they were caught in the, the you know, in breach of the, you know, the, the regulations, and I mean, Max uh, Verstappen was very blunt about it, so, you know, very Max uh, fashion. I mean, he just came out and said, oh, yeah, these guys are cheating more or less. I mean, I, I'm kind of parsing and paraphrasing, but uh, that Max actually used the word cheating. Uh, I, I believe that's going back to the, uh, the the Brazilian Grand Prix from last year, just off the top of my head. But uh, you know, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Christian is uh, being a little bit more diplomatic. Uh, but uh, I mean, he recognizes the fact that, uh, that, that that there was something that went on there, and he doesn't like the fact that uh, wh- whatever Ferrari was found to be doing, that this is hidden behind uh, you know that this this gag order, this uh, non disclosure agreement, uh, whatever you want to term it, uh, you know, using lawyer weasel words. That um, you know, they, they don't like it. Uh, obviously, I mean, you, you know that you've had your suspicions about these guys, and they they they've, they they've probably been doing something wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, there's an announcement made. Oh yeah, well, there's uh, you know, agreement has been made. It's not going to be made public, and uh, this is all we're going to be saying about it. So of course they're going to be salty. Of course they're going to be upset. Uh, that uh, that this uh, you know there, there isn't uh, you know more disclosure uh, on it. I mean, a uh, total wolf had uh, a little bit uh, to say uh, about Ferrari as well. He said, uh, quote, Ferrari is an iconic brand and fantastic people that build these cars. It's difficult to say because I don't want to put any more oil into this, but we really stretched so much last year and the year before that we suffered. We lost some people. We lost some of the people in terms of just being at the end of their health. And that is why I would probably follow Christian's comments. End quote. So, I mean, uh, Toto, I mean, uh, last week he was uh, calling them out, uh, basically, in, in a bit of a... You know, I mean, not not uh, d- directly, but I mean, uh, I mean, he was uh, talking about uh, you know just uh, how they've uh, really uh, you know that uh, they've slid so far down the grid and uh, they're they're not competitive now. And uh, he basically said that uh, a bad or Ferrari that's uh, not doing well for Formula One, in Formula One is uh, not good for Formula One in general. Anyways, uh, Ross Braun, the uh, managing director of motorsport at, at Formula One and former team principal of uh, of uh, Ferrari way back in the Michael Schumacher uh, glory years, he believes that this huge slump, this abyss that they've fallen into, is it's not down completely to the the, the performance of the power engine, which is obviously a, a big part of it. But he says that also tires have uh, played a, a role. I mean, he's going back and he's talking about uh, how uh, Seb and Charles only managed to uh, qualify for 13th and 14th at uh, at Spa last weekend and then basically they uh, <laughs> they finished in those two uh, p- positions whereas uh, Vettel and uh, Leclerc uh, swapped uh, uh, you know track position at uh, at the end of the race anyways uh, Braun said quote I've been in a situation like Ferrari have uh, found themselves in at Spa where you don't get uh, tires to work the temperature doesn't uh, come and the drop off in performance is dramatic Regardless of what people say about the deficit that they may have with the engine following technical clarifications, you don't lose 1.3 seconds per lap from one year to the next in that metric alone. They just uh, couldn't get the tires in that zone. In fact, uh, it was cooler at Spa would not have helped either. When that happens, the performance drops off and it looks horrific. If they can make uh, that step and get the tires working properly again, I think the performance will snap back in. They still won't look race winning, but it will become more respectable, end quote. 
Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's obviously a lot of things uh, going on uh, with, with the carts. Uh, it, it's not all down to the the, the power unit. I mean, they, they admitted last year that the the direction that they were going in with the, with the aerodynamics was uh, com- uh, completely wrong. And uh, well. Who knows? I, I maybe uh, Ross sums it up best when he said that uh, if, if Ferrari can get some, uh, you know, get some improvements, uh, you know, start pointed in the right direction, they won't look race winning, but they will become more respectable because that's the only reason why people go to compete in Formula One, and that's to look respectable. And of course, I'm being a, a little bit, well, more than a little bit uh, facetious. <laughs> I'm being quite a bit uh, facetious, but uh, you get my, what I mean. I don't think there's anybody out there on the face of the earth that uh, that that just shows up to a sporting event uh, just to uh, just to to be there and compete, uh, especially at that uh, that level. Uh, you're there to. You're there to win races. You're there to do as good as you can. And uh, obviously, for some teams, it's 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 more hopeful. It's more uh, probable that you're going to win. I mean, you know, look, look at a team like Alfa Romeo or Haas. I mean, the, the chances that that these guys are going to win a race in normal circumstances is almost nil. I mean, it's effectively nil, right? Whereas, uh, you know, you, you take like a, a track like Monaco, you throw in some bad weather, then anything uh, can happen. So, I mean, ask uh, Olivier, P- uh, Olivier Panis, who won the uh, Monaco Grand Prix back in, what was it, 1996, 1997, driving a Ligier. Some, something about that, you know, it was about 25 uh, years ago. So, I mean, it, it's not going to happen uh, very, very often. So... Anyways, what else is there to say? So why don't we just take a break here on the Overtime Media Network, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, I, I think, which is what is absolutely shocking news. I was absolutely astounded when I saw that uh, on the, the news on Thursday morning that the Williams family is out of Formula One. Claire Williams will be stepping down as team principal of Williams Racing after the uh, Italian Grand Prix of Monza this weekend. And they're out. They are out of Formula One after more than four decades in the sport as a constructor. Anyways, uh, time for a break, like I said, so don't go away. I'll be back in just a moment. All right, well, welcome back to the show. So we are going uh, from uh, scarlet red cars to red, red sorry, not <laughs> red, white, blue, and uh, navy blue or black, uh, whatever the uh, Williams uh, colors are. It's hard to tell if that's a navy or a black. Anyways, the car looks good. It's just not uh, terribly fast. Anyways, so um, like I said uh, before the break, Absolutely shocking news uh, that, that that came down that uh, the, the Williams family, that's it. They're out. They are cutting their connections with their Formula One team that has borne its name right uh, from very first one after the, the Italian Grand Prix. And of course, this was always going to be a possibility when they announced that they were looking for a buyer or an investor or whatever it was, some sort of funding, uh, you know, several months ago now, back in the spring, that th- this was always a possibility. I mean, they did find somebody to come in and uh, they sold the the, the team uh, to, a, uh, sorry, to Dorilton Capital. Uh, I mean, that uh, just uh, happened uh, recently along the same time uh, as the news of uh, the new Concord Agreement uh, came down. And uh, Claire Williams, who's the daughter of uh, Sir Frank Williams, is uh, the, the deputy team principal, and she is going to be stepping down after this uh, the, this weekend's race in Monza. And this actually brings the story, the Williams family involvement, uh, to a close after, get this, 43 years in Formula One. That is absolutely mind-boggling. What they have done is absolutely outstanding. And I think it's really, really sad. I mean, they've won 114 Grand Prix and seven drivers' championships, and it's it's absolutely shocks me. Anyway, so they have not made any announcement, and they, being Williams, have not made any announcement who's going to be the new team principal or deputy team principal and who's going to take over the day-to-day operations of the team. Anyways, uh, Williams uh, had to say, quote, with the future of the team now secured, this feels like an appropriate time for us to step away from the sport. We have been in this sport for more than four decades. We are incredibly proud of our track record and the legacy we leave behind. We have always been in it for the love of it, for the pure pleasure of going motor racing. So this is not a decision that we have taken lightly, but after much reflection and as a family. 
This may be the end of an era for the Williams as a family-run team, but as it is the beginning of a new era for Williams Racing, and we wish them much success in the future. On behalf of Frank and the Williams family, I would like to say how incredibly grateful and humbled we are for the support that we have enjoyed over the years from our friends in the paddock and the many fans around the world, end quote. So it is... Um, it is really, really shocking to, to, to me. And I mean, I come from that uh, generation. Uh, I mean, I, I remember back in the mid 80s uh, when uh, you know, there was Williams Honda. You had, uh, you know, you had uh, saw partnerships like uh, Nigel Mansell and Nelson Piquet, then uh, Mansell and uh, Ricardo Patrese. Then you go into the 90s, you have Damon Hill and Alain Prost. Of course, uh, tragically, uh, Ayrton Senna lost his life uh, driving a Williams in 1994. You had uh, Jacques Villeneuve was there, Juan Pablo Montoya, Ralph Schumacher, so many names there. I mean, so many guys uh, have you know, driven for that team, and so many people have won races. And uh, to just to, to to think about uh, Formula One without uh, Williams as a family involved, uh, especially for people of my age, is is actually a bit uh, a bit mind blowing. Anyways, uh, Claire, she actually joined the team uh, way back in uh, 2002 in, in a communications uh, role. Uh, she eventually joined the, the, the board as a commercial and uh, marketing director in 2012. And then uh, she became uh, the um, uh, the uh, deputy team principal, which uh, basically uh, took over the day-to-day operations responsibility to run the team uh, back in uh, 2013. So, the, you know, obviously, uh, Sir Frank is uh, getting on there in, uh, in years. And, of course, you know, he's uh, paralyzed uh, after he had a you know, horrible car accident in France uh, a number of years ago. And it's, uh, it, it is the end of an era. It, it, it really, really is. And when you look at some of the things that, that uh, you know, have been uh, said subsequently and uh, you look at uh, what some of the, uh, the, the current drivers, uh, George Russell, Nicholas uh, Latifi, who uh, went to, to say some uh, nice things. Um, uh, Russell had to say, quote, obviously is a, a sad day for us. Uh, for me personally, Frank and Claire gave me my first opportunity in Formula One. It's something I'm very great, thankful and grateful for and having the opportunity to drive for such an amazing and prestigious team for the two years that I've been here so far. It is sad to see the Williams family step aside, but the history of Williams will still remain, will still remain under Williams Racing and still continue to fight and represent the family name, end quote. Uh, Nicholas uh, Latifi, um, he had to say, uh, quote, I was definitely a bit shocked at the news this morning. I think that when the news broke uh, that the team was sold, it was definitely something in the back of my mind that I could have anticipated. For me, I haven't done uh, my first full season in Formula One, but I've been with uh, the team part of the family since last year. For sure, it's very special, uh, like uh, George said, uh, Claire and Frank gave me my first uh, opportunity to cut my teeth in Formula One. It's always going to be uh, special that where I started out, I uh, was here with Williams. They've given many drivers their first opportunity. The culture that has been cultivated here is going to remain the same. That is something that, that will not go uh, just because Claire and the family are stepping aside, end quote. So yeah, I mean, but uh, when, when changes uh, happen, uh, you know, things uh, things are going to have to change uh, in some regard because, I, I mean, this is a team that uh, has gone from you know from winning world championships and being uh, one one of the best teams and has slowly but surely declined over the years and uh, has uh, a, you know rather sharply fallen off uh, in terms of uh, performance in, in in just the the last couple of years. I mean, uh, you, you look even back to 2016, 2017. I mean, this was a team that was still on their day capable of uh, you know competing for for a podium and uh, you know was one of these sort of legitimate uh, best of the rest uh, teams and then things have just uh, really gone south and and taken a turn for the worse in you know in, in the intervening uh, couple of years and uh, they've they've rapidly uh, become the the joke of well, I wouldn't say a joke that might be a little bit uh, you know a little bit too harsh but uh, compared to where they were where they've come from to see where they are now not uh, not just competitive but I mean, so much time and so far off the pace by by you know uh, several seconds in some cases is just uh, really, really uh, you know really sad to uh, to see. So, what with this uh, sale of the team to to Drilton, uh, uh, you know, investments and uh, the, the the chance to bring in new people and and uh, get new ideas in there. 
hopefully this is the start of uh, you know a, a new direction and uh, and a new change for the better. And hopefully this is a, a team we'll see uh, you know slowly but uh, surely uh, making their way back up uh, the, the the grid. I mean, you look at what uh, McLaren's done. I think that uh, you know they're, they're still obviously a way off from uh, competing and you know for for winning races. But where they've come in you know the past eighteen months or so, definitely uh, over last year into this year, I, I think that uh, you know they, they've gone the right direction after losing their way for a while and going the wrong way and uh they've recovered much uh better better and uh and much quicker than the than williams so i mean when you look at those two teams and obviously mclaren's another team that uh that, that has that uh, prestigious history in formula one that uh that they've uh turned it around a, a lot quicker and of course it's going to be uh you know really uh something to watch uh, next year when they get the the mercedes power back into that car and uh they they seem to finally have come to the terms uh, and, and gotten over that d- denial that uh, that they seem to have had, uh, especially in the, the the recent Honda relationship that they had. That oh yeah, no, the car was uh, there was nothing wrong with the car. It was all down to the engine. And then it, it took some while for them to actually own up and admit uh, that uh, yes, there was uh, something more with uh, the the car than just the power unit and the chassis wasn't everything that uh, they were hyping it uh, up uh, uh, up to be. Um, anyways, so Williams uh, actually they they have uh, the the new Williams uh, that is um, have made a, an announcement on Thursday uh, revealing uh, the the new three person uh, board of uh, directors and two of those members are, are high uh, ranking members of a. Uh, Rilton uh, uh, Capital. So one of them is uh, Matthew Savage, who's uh, the uh, the chairman of a uh, Rilton uh, Capital. The other is Darren Fultz, who is the uh, the CEO of the investment fund. Uh, they both uh, previously were uh, Rothschild, and uh, they they paid a, a big uh, part in in founding Derilton back in two thousand nine. So they're going to be uh, joined on the board of directors uh, by James Matthews, who is the CEO of uh, the Eden Rock Group. Uh, he's also a former racing driver, and he uh, won uh, the the British Formula Renault Championship and uh, Formula Renault uh, Euro Cup back in uh, sorry Euro Cup back in nineteen ninety four, and then he went on to, to become uh, get involved with uh, stocks and things like that. Uh, Matthews is also uh, married to uh, Pippa Middleton, who's uh, the sister of uh, the Duchess of uh, Cambridge, who is uh, obviously managed, or sorry, managed, <laughs> it's a bit of a uh, bad uh, slip there, who is married to Prince uh, William, uh, second in line to the, the throne of uh, you know, the, of England. Uh, anyways, uh, the statement uh, from the, the new Williams, I guess there's old Williams and new Williams, uh, that the new Williams had to say in a statement, quote, the new board recognizes and appreciates the importance of retaining Williams heritage and culture and will continue to work with the senior management to leverage its capabilities to return to racing competitively. End quote. So there you go. I uh, love the the, the, the vague uh, non-committal. St- well, I guess that's not uh, not non-committal. I mean, uh, they, they're obviously in it to, to win it. Uh, as we were saying before the break, you just don't show up to be in Formula One just to, to, to be here. I mean, there's better ways and better things you can spend all that money on. But uh, again, it all comes down to results and uh, how the car, uh, you know, <laughs> how the car is and uh, whether or not it's uh, competitive. And boy, do those guys have a lot of work in in front of them. So, uh, okay, let's uh, let's change gears now. Uh, well, both uh, literally and figuratively, Sebastian Vettel says that uh, Formula One has a mountain to climb if they want to exist a decade from now. And uh, Seb has been around uh, Formula One for for quite a while. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's uh, you know been here for a good number of years. Anyways, uh, he was speaking uh, to the media in, uh, in an event uh, at the Italian Grand Prix, and uh, he was uh, pretty clear about what his uh, view. Uh, is about Formula One and uh, that they can't uh, sit back on their heels and just expect uh, that that uh, the, the big uh, you know change in the rules for 2022 is going to actually sort out all the problems that uh, that the sport is facing and uh, you know uh, just as you know sort of been. Uh, dragged along as part of the baggage in Formula One. Anyways, uh, I'm not going to try and say it for Seb. Uh, you know, the, the man himself had to say, quote, I think it's a very interesting question. I think, first of all, I think nobody would have thought, certainly not half a year ago, of the situation that the world is in now. It's a question of what the, the world is going to be in 10 years. So I think it's very difficult from that uh, to, to look at Formula One only. I think from my point of view, Formula One has a huge mountain to climb in order to still exist and still, you know, attract the fans and share emotions and passion. The world is changing. The world is changing very fast. And I think Formula One has to more than adapt. 
Uh, I know obviously there's a regulation change coming in 2022, but I doubt that will be enough. Uh, I think on a bigger picture, Formula One has to do more than just change the regulations. We all hope that the regulation change for the sport will bring the teams closer together and will make the competition on track closer. But apart from that, I think the world, as I said, is moving fast and the world will face more and more big topics to fight. F1 cannot remain silent and close its eyes, so I actually... I uh, think it will be very interesting to see where we are in 10 years and where Formula One is, end quote. So, well, that that is a kind of an interesting statement. I mean, uh, obviously, there are a lot of things going on at, at, at the moment in the world. I mean, it's not just COVID. It's just not racial inequality. I mean, there's so many big, important issues uh, going on, climate change, all these all these different things. And, uh, and and Formula One can't exist uh, apart from uh, from all of those. I mean, the the one thing that they do have in their control, and 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 that's the action on the track. And they they've tried to address uh, some of these uh, you know inequalities, uh, be it uh, on the track uh, with the uh, you know the things like banning the party mode, for example, that uh, the, these engine modes that we see with the cars, the, the new technical regulations, the new cars we're going to see in 2022, and then there's the off the track stuff like with, with the cost cap and things like that. So. Uh, there's that side of it, but where it fits into the bigger, uh, bigger, bigger picture. I mean, look at the economic crisis that we're all facing right now, and uh, how that affects uh, Formula One, and how it uh, dramatically has impacted the the amount of revenue that uh, that is coming into the sport. Because every you know, there isn't a person on the face of the planet. Well, I guess uh, maybe with the exception of uh, Jeff Bezos of uh, Amazon, who just seems to be uh, making money like it's going out of style. What with delivery culture going on nowadays, but. You know, for the the other ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us, you know, <laughs> the 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 story is a little bit uh, different. I mean, uh, we're all facing uncertainty to to one degree or another at uh, at the moment, and that's uh, you know the same for Formula One. So, I think the point that Sebastian is trying to make is that uh, there are a lot of things going on in the world right now, a lot of things that that uh, that are affecting Formula One as well, and that they just can't sit back and just uh, maybe a, a couple of of token gestures or changes here or there are going to be enough that are actually going to fix the sport and and cure it of all the the, the woes and all the issues that the, they have. I think basically what he's uh, saying is that he's that, uh, that the, the powers that be in Formula One can't just sit back. They're going to have to face these issues and these challenges head on and and, and be proactive about it uh, rather than uh, having uh, you know the the, the opposite uh, situation of sitting back and not doing enough and then having to. To, uh, react after the fact to a sit- situation that may have uh, gotten out of control. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, time to come back in a minute and time to start slowly winding it down this uh, this uh, week. Uh, but until then, time for a beverage, bathroom break, whatever, smoke. Smoke them if you got them, if that's still a thing. Anyways, uh, joking aside, we'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So sticking with the Sebastian Vettel, um, not uh, maybe looking as far ahead as 10 years from now, what we were talking about uh, before the... before the break there, uh, Seb said he's actually still remaining focused on Formula One and uh, he's still considering his uh, what his next move is going to be when he leaves Ferrari at the end of the year and uh, said he has not considered any other uh, alternative series or championships and uh, th- that is actually uh, kind of interesting. I mean, there, there was uh, some, uh, you know, he, he did confirm, he spoke to Renault before they confirmed uh, the, the signing of uh, Fernando Alonso a couple of m- months ago. Uh, he had uh, what he called loose talks with uh, Racing Point slash uh, Aston Martin. Uh, I mean, he's still being um, linked to, to getting that uh, seat there for 2021. And um, he said, uh, he still admitted uh, that there's uh, still no news on his future. So, of course, uh, you know that that uh, you know, the, the the best person to ask is the the you know the the guy in question. And Motorsport.com uh, did that uh, you know particularly. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say, "quote I don't have much interest to sign up uh, for a team that is not going to be in a position to fight uh, for something worth fighting for, and is going in a good direction for the future." 
I think the big own, uh, unknown as well is the rules for 22. Obviously, a lot of teams are hoping that it will change a lot of things. I think we'll have to wait and see. I'll let you know as soon as I have some news, end quotes. Uh, anyways, uh, he also uh, went on uh, to say that uh, he, he is not thinking about like Indy or sports cars or anything like that. He said that uh, he's still 100% focused on Formula One. He's not checking out uh, any uh, alternative uh, racing uh, uh, series at that moment. And you have to remember too, I mean, Seb, he's only 33. I mean, that's not terribly old. I mean, he's a couple of years younger than the, than Lewis Hamilton. I mean, sometimes I, I think that for me, Seb always feels a lot older than he actually is. And I I think that just has to do, you know, be due to the fact that he's been in Formula One and he's he's been in such a you know good place in Formula One for so long that it, it seems you know he, he's been around a lot longer than he has. I mean, he's he's kind of grown up uh, in front of our eyes, uh, you know, to a certain extent. So you know, I I really hope it works out for him. I mean, for me, honestly, I mean, the last really uh, legitimate uh, option for for next year would be Racing Point uh, slash uh, uh, you know Aston Martin. I mean, it really wouldn't make any sense for Sebastian to go to a team, say like Haas or to uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, you know, there, there's uh, you know, depending uh, who you talk to or where you you, know, you go online, you know that uh, that there sounds like there could be some uh, options there. I mean, I think Haas may, needs to make a, a change with the, you know, their, their driver lineup that they have there. I mean, uh, Grosjean for me being the the obvious one. Um, Alfa Romeo is another interesting one. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, he's only got a contract till the end of this year. I think Antonio uh, Giovinazzi. I believe he's also got a contract to the end of the year. I mean, Kimi said he was going to retire at this year. I mean, he's forty one. He's he's a, he's a little bit older. I mean, he said he's got other things to think about. I mean, he's got a young family, that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, I mean, it's a, a, a big commitment. So who knows if uh, you know where he's at? I mean, uh, he, he still hasn't really committed either way. He just uh, said recently that. Uh, Family considerations are going to play a big part into uh, what he decides uh, to do for for next year. So, uh, you know, I hope it works out uh, for Sebastian, and uh, certainly I hope he has uh, more news uh, for us uh, sooner rather than later. Okay, just talking about uh, the the future of uh, Formula One uh, again uh, quickly. Uh, Christian Horner, the uh, team principal at uh, at uh, Red Bull Racing, uh, he says that he, he believes one stop races like we saw at the Belgium uh, Belgian Grand Prix last week are, are making the the, the races uh, boring. And uh, even uh, Lewis Hamilton, who uh, won the uh, you know the the, the race, uh, he said uh, as well. It wasn't something he particularly enjoys uh, as well, or he doesn't like seeing as well. Anyways, uh, he, Christian Horner, that is, he believes that the races where you see the one stop uh, strategy. Um, ends up leading to situations where drivers go, go into tire conservation mode, as he calls it, you know, tire management mode. And, and that certainly is the case. And, uh, you know, it certainly can be boring. I think that last weekend, it was a bit unfortunate too. You had that big crash involving uh, Giovinazzi and, and George Russell, which brought out the safety car. And it was a bit of a weird time in the race because it was a little bit before the the the, the pit window that we expected to see for some of the guys that were running the softer compound tires, but also it presented a, un- a unique opportunity for those guys that wanted to come in and, and change tires under the safety car. That it was right at that limit of uh, being able to, to to one stop it, switch to the hard tires, and then go the rest of the distance uh, without having to, to to pit again. Of course, you have this rule that you have to run the prime and the option tires you have to run both of them at some point in the race so i mean you're only really mandated to to, to make one stop but uh you know it, it is true uh and and as long for me as the action comes down to what's on the track and uh, and i never really liked uh, seeing the thing too that uh, you know with the overcuts and the undercuts and stuff like that i mean it it certainly is kind of cool to see that uh, that that a team can make a gamble and make it uh, you know you'll pay off or you pass somebody but uh, ultimately i like to see the action take place on the track but uh, christian is uh, you know nailing it on the head when he says that the the one stop uh, strategies where where guys go into kind of tire conversation it's it's not good for the sport sports and it just uh, makes it boring and uh, and Lewis Hamilton has said too yeah well you know the, the races can be boring but it's it, it's up to those who are in charge of formula 1 that uh, that that can make the changes and and to avoid these uh you know boring uh, situations i mean even max verstappen never won to mince his words uh, words said that uh, spa was a boring race and uh he even said himself that he had to manage his tires for 38 of 44 laps so uh, there you go uh, anyways uh, lewis had to say quote i can't sp- 
speak for the fans, but having been a fan growing up, having watched the Schumacher era, of course, I know what it's like. As soon as the start was done and the restart, you generally know that I don't make uh, too many mistakes. And the same with these drivers. They're very, very consistent. It's very difficult to overtake in this circuit, so I can imagine it's definitely not the most exciting. I feel exactly the same as Max. I hope in the next races, I really hope that we have more of a race because I think everyone wants to see us all battling together, end quote. So, I mean, the drivers are obviously, uh, you know, very aware of this as well, uh, as well. but you know it, it really is down to the uh, you know the, the the people running Formula One to, uh, to 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 step in and make those changes. I mean they've tried. I mean they they brought in the cost cap. They've made these changes for 2022. Ultimately, we'll find out as time goes on. You know, will these uh, you know changes that they've they, they've enacted and bringing in over the, uh, the 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 time to come whether or not it'll actually have uh, an effect or not they, we we really won't uh, know uh, anyways just talking about boring things and competitiveness uh, Mattia Bonato uh, believes that the party mode ban could actually uh, shake up uh, the the order at uh, at Monza this weekend again i mean uh, the, these engine modes and things like that uh, i i think uh, i i think it Again, in theory, it's a good idea, but uh, whether or not uh, you know the teams like uh, Mercedes, you know, they they've got too many tricks and too many different uh, things up their sleeve that uh, you know, okay, we we don't have our party mode anymore, but uh, you know, they have such an advantage, uh, anyways. Uh, I mean, is is it really going to hurt them all that much? I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, anyways, um, uh, Max Verstappen just uh, kind of building a little bit uh, on this. Uh, he said that uh, despite all the boring things and the competitive nature, he actually said that the, the way that uh, Mercedes are uh, dominating right now is actually not affecting his uh, his uh, his uh, his motivation. He actually said it would be stupid to question his motivation. <laughs> Again, Max, he love it. He calls a spade a spade. He never, uh, you know, he's not one to uh, uh, kind of use uh, flowery words. He just uh, calls. It like uh, the the way he says uh, says it. He says, uh, "quote I don't understand why people think you wouldn't be motivated. You have one of the best jobs in the world. You're driving super fast cars. I'm and I'm driving third or second, and I I had one win. So I find it incredible that uh, that people think you wouldn't be motivated. It's really stupid. I love what I'm doing every week, and I come here and I love driving the car, and I want of course to try and challenge them. But if it's not possible, I settle for the best result possible in the car that I have, and then I'm still enjoying it." End quote. I mean, again, I mean these drivers know. I mean they. they they know what's going on, and that's why I've been saying uh, basically all season it must be uh, very, very uh, you know frustrating for, uh, for 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 guys like uh, well, especially Max. I mean, he's just not quite close enough. I mean, he can get within a couple of seconds of a uh, Bottas, and I mean, he's just at that that uh, that that tantalizing arm's length. Knowing he can get quite, he can get close, but not quite close enough to really push them, uh, and, and then push them enough to, uh, you know, to uh, to challenge them for for positions. Although he did uh, very well uh, to uh, take advantage of what uh, he did to um, uh, you know win that race at Silverstone a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then again, uh, Helmut Marco, the motorsport advisor for uh, Red Bull, he said thinks that uh, his team in particular and Honda are in a good position to actually uh, benefit. Uh, from the, uh, the the ban on party mode, and uh, that'll actually uh, bring uh, you know bring that gap uh, to, to Mercedes uh, down a little bit, and uh, bring them uh, closer to, to, to together. So again, uh, it, it looks uh, great on paper. It, it looks great in theory. So whether or not uh, it will actually have any tangible uh, results on the track, we're just gonna have to you know sit back and watch and see what unfolds over the next uh, couple of days, and then we can uh, digest it, and then we can complain about it or uh, sell. Celebrate it this time uh, next week because uh, that's uh, just what we do. Uh, talking about entertainment, uh, Total Wolf, uh, team principal at uh, Mercedes, uh, says that uh, Formula One should actually uh, open up the internal team, uh, team radio streams uh, to help entertain the fans. And I think uh, that would actually uh, be, uh, you know, kind of cool. I mean, I think that's what we all want to be is we all want to be uh, that, you know, that fly on the wall and uh, and hear what's uh, being said. We get little snippets here and there on, uh, on, on race radio, but uh, that uh, certainly would uh, be... Uh, a cool one. So anyways, as we start to get close to the end of the show, there's a couple of things that I would just want to mention uh, quickly. A uh, really cool story. Uh, 250 doctors and nurses who played a big role in the frontline fight against uh, COVID-19 in Italy uh, over the 
past uh, several months are going to be uh, at the uh, Italian Grand Prix at uh, at Monza. I mean, uh, talk about exclusive access. That's uh, actually uh, really, really cool to see. Um, and then uh, next week at Mugello, where they're going to see about 3,000 fans in a, in a number of the, uh, the, the the stands, the the, the bleachers around the, the track there. So that's going to be uh, kind of cool. That's going to be the first race when we're going to actually get uh, general admission. We're going to see some actual fans in the stands uh, for, for a Grand Prix, first time in uh, in 2020. So, I mean, just to the point where I got used to seeing nobody there in the stands, uh, have to start getting used to seeing people uh, back there again. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, it shouldn't be silly. It should be grateful uh, considering, you know, all, you know, everywhere we've been uh, recently. But, you know, here on the other side, the organizers uh, for the Turkish Grand Prix, which is... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on the uh, the agenda now for November 15th. They're hoping to get a crowd of 100,000 people at the Istanbul uh, Park track for the, for the race there at the end of the year. And, uh, well, you know, I, I'm all for going back and, and getting life back to normal as soon as it's, uh, you know, safe and responsible to do so. I just don't know personally whether or not I would really want to go to an event that big so soon, <laughs> you know, considering all that we've been through. I mean, I don't know, just, uh, I, you know, I hear like these, uh, you know, terms thrown out uh, far too often when it comes to, to, to big events like, uh, you know, like this and super spreader events, you know, I just find it a little bit uh, frightening and uh, I guess that's just uh, very... 2020. Anyhow, final item of the show tonight, and this is, uh, this is, really kind of cool. Netflix has announced that they're going to be uh, making a new production of a, a Senna drama series about the life and uh, career of Ayrton Senna. And it's uh, actually uh, it's actually in production right now and it's going to be uh, released in uh, in 2022. Uh, it's uh, going to be an eight-part miniseries produced by a Brazilian filmmaker, Gulain, in a partnership with Senna's family. And uh, he's got uh, absolutely unlimited uh, access uh, for the project, which is going to be uh, very cool. I mean, um, of course, yeah. About t- ten years ago, the, uh, the the film Senna, which came out, um, you know, I, I've I've got that uh, here on, uh, on on DVD, I believe somewhere. I mean, it used to be on Netflix. It might be on Crave or so- somewhere like that uh, nowadays. But you know, uh, I, I thought you know that uh, Senna documentary when it when it came out was absolutely outstanding. But still, there's just uh, there, there's too much pain. I could never get to watch Imola 1994. And all that, uh, that relive that all again. But uh, cool to see that uh, coming up. A new uh, drama series uh, on the life and times of Ayrton Senna in 2022 on Netflix. Anyways, that's it. That's a wrap. Time to uh, to get out of here. Thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Enjoy the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. We'll be back to wrap that one up on uh, Sunday night. And, uh, well, we really are in the thick of uh, the, the Formula One season. And it's uh, been a lot of fun so far. And uh, we'll wait and see who uh, wins it this week. I'm predicting Lewis Hamilton because who's going to beat him? <laughs> it just seems uh, like a foregone conclusion, but I hope I'm proven wrong. But until then, enjoy the race. Take care, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.